Good morning. Um, how's y'all doing? It's a Thursday morning, rainy here in New York on Long Island. You know, my name is Joshua Sturr, uh, director, actor, uh, video game extraordinaire, or I don't know, it's always comes up, so I'm going to say it like that from now on. Um, yeah, and to my virtual upper left corner, it's B-Man. Hi, I'm uh, Brandon. I'm uh, also having a rainy day here in Toronto. It's also raining, and uh, I am an actor. Uh, I have an MFA from the Actor Studio with Josh. And, uh, yeah, here to talk some movies to my virtual right. Hi, I'm Caleb John Cushing. I'm an actor, writer, filmmaker. It is also raining in Brooklyn where I am. I also have an MFA with my two buddies. And we're here to talk about film. Something, you know, that we all know and love and care deeply (laughs) about. (laughs) But first... We have to talk about video games. Josh, take it away. <laughs> yes. I. Um, well, just to update you guys, I have finished The Last Airbender. Oh, my God. Oh, amazing. How good is that he, show? Thank you. Thank you. Um, the fact that he went, like, in my opinion, Super Saiyan at the end was, like, I was, I've never been so happy with, like, the, the tying of the bow at the end. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just felt good that everything ended, you know? And I was like... The best part is that it's not even over. Now you can go watch Legend of Korra, which is three seasons. Right. Well, I'm going to take a little break from that world, but four seasons. Yeah. yeah. And it's really Will and Grace first. It is a brilliant premise because, like, you have it built into your universe that your main character like reincarnates, so you can go as long as you want forever. Yeah. <laughs> they they, uh, they Doctor Who did. They up. did, True. but just better and not terrible. <laughs> Yeah, but the Ooh. idea of like coming oh, for Doctor Who I mean, right away. <laughs> I don't know. Do you guys like Doctor Who? Is this? Am I I've fucking never watched it. I, <laughs> yeah, I've, there you I've, go. <laughs> I've seen. I've okay. So I've seen a bunch of it, and for me, it's so one hundred percent completely dependent on who's playing sure. Doctor Who. Like when it's David Tennant, yeah. I'll watch it. <laughs> yeah, he's legit. You know when it's Matt uh, Matt Reeves, Matt Smith, Matt Smith. Yeah. Matt Smith. I'll, I'll watch it. Uh, you know. So it just depends. It is tough that your bad guys are like rolling garbage cans. That's tough. You set it up in the fifties. You I, you can't change yeah. it now. Well, why not? It's a, it's a hard <laughs> hard obstacle to get over. I feel over. like everybody would be better if like everybody would be kind of okay with it if they redesigned the Daleks or whatever they're called. <laughs> they made the Daleks some like dope some, like, looking Terminator monsters. Shit. As opposed I mean, to, that, that's what they treat yeah. it as. But then you look at it and it's just this. It is. It's a tiny little like Disneyland garbage can. <laughs> it was. I mean, the the prop masters back in the day must have been working their asses off because you had to there were scenes where you have to make like a hundred of them right so you yeah. just have to have them as rolling that's garbage cans that's fair i got turned off by the mannequins i think i watched one episode with like the the attack of the mannequins and i just was like i don't i totally know what you're talking about yeah, yeah. i was this is not for that's me fair. you know that's, but that's how i feel it's just not my thing but more power to you if that's you like it no no but that's a show where as okay that's a show where I will end up watching YouTube compilations of them giving their best speeches and scenes cut together. And because there's so much content and you have amazing actors, those five minute YouTube monologue, like YouTube clips that end up going over like four seasons are phenomenal. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? So that's what gets me. And then you, it's like 10 minutes of just David Tennant being amazing. He's really great. I would say. He's good. 
Yeah. I and I also, from what I saw, I like Christopher Eccleston. Uh, he's one of yeah, them. Yeah, he's good but too. I, and then I know Matt Smith is one, but I couldn't name. I couldn't tell you what they did or what the plots are or like what uh, any of it means. I know that is time travel, and there's also yeah, like little trash murder robots. I don't know anything else about it. Is there? Isn't there a woman now? Or <laughs> there's, so there's always yeah, there is no, a there's, woman. <laughs> There's always companions. I don't, I don't mean to so be they, disrespectful. I just no, mean, no, no, no. It's no, no, just no, funny no. though you just, said that. They, like, don't they have women now in the show? They <laughs> no, no, no. You know Doctor, what I meant. Doctor, Doctor Who now is Doctor. The Doctor now Doctor is a now. woman. <laughs> and uh, but but other than that, just every season they roll out different actors and actresses as like his um, companions each season. Yeah. I can't remember if that's the real world word or if that's the word that community uses. Yeah. For Inspector Space Time, but it's the same sure. thing. Like same idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have funny little. They have funny little. One of them is famous now. Uh, f- oh God, what's her fucking name? Karen Gillan. For she's in the Marvel stuff. Oh, they're almost every single person who's been a uh, whatever Doctor Who like companion or traveler, whatever yeah. you call them, is super famous. All of them. All of them. I I mean, like super famous. I can't name dude, any other ones. That. <laughs> I no, but you you uh, fuck. I could if, it, if I don't know, but you you, you would be able to recognize okay. them for sure. Like you know that guy, you know the guy in the Community episode where they go to the Inspector Space Time convention. No, I don't watch Community. Oh, I don't, yeah, you watch sorry, Community Brandon. was wrong I saw with the you first, guys. I saw so the first good. season and I was like, all right, it's not my thing. I don't think. Oh man, or is, is, that's you're just is Community kind of like um, Parks and Rec or Shit's Creek, where you kind of have to watch a season or two before. You get used to the comedy no, or what? No, I mean somewhat, but it's it's different than that. In that every season is really different and has a really different feel. Like you should both watch through Community just for because it's it's incredibly unique. So for directing and writing perspectives, you should both actually watch it. Sure. Like it's it's an important show in that respect where they they really try things that have haven't been tried on TV before. Hmm. Um, all I the just way feel through. like I get that itch from. Harmon's I get that itch from him with Rick and Morty. I feel like I don't need to go back. That's like my It's different, but yeah, I totally see what you're saying and it's very much the same feel of like how you watch an episode of Rick and Morty and it feels unique. It feels like something you haven't seen before. They're throwing new things at you. Communities like that but live yeah. action. And it's so it's it's important. But also like know? 8 okay. seasons they... long and they're 20 episode seasons. I just don't have the patience. <laughs> no, 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 no. It dude, it it cuts down super hard cuz they got canceled uh, yeah, a bunch true. of times. Yeah, so it's six seasons, and the last three seasons are like twelve episodes. But doesn't it tell you that why they got canceled, or is it? So what happened at first was Dan Harmon got fired after season three because he released a voicemail that Chevy Chase had sent him, <laughs> screaming at him. Because <laughs> there was like, oh, there's wow. crazy beef between the yeah, I did read about that, and like, yeah, yeah, it's all super public now, and like Dan Harmon. At their rap party, had told the crew that they could all yell, fuck you, Chevy. And, like, Chevy Chase's family was there, and everybody did it. Oh, it was, like, a whole thing. It's amazing. So, he gets fired He gets fired for season four, and then gets brought back for season five, and Chevy Chase leaves. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, there's, like, a bunch of... And then they got fired, they got canceled after season five, and then Yahoo picked them up for season Oh, yeah, six. you guys remember Yahoo Screen, the Netflix competitor? They straight up... <laughs> They straight up killed Yahoo Screen because they paid so like fifty million dollars for community. Not at all. 
you if you're gonna double down on like a single like ip i guess like sure but i wouldn't have backed like something that had been canceled twice <laughs> yeah they yeah, must right? have been really big fans of that yeah I, I, I will say that I did, I remember now, I did go back and watch because in interviews when like Civil War was about to come out, uh, Kevin, whatever, how you pronounce his name, um, Fiji, Fiji, he uh, he was yeah. like, I, we Kevin brought Fee. on the Russos because of the paintball episodes they did for Community. And I was like, what? That makes no sense. Yeah. And then I watched the show and I was like, oh, I see like what they're talking about now. <laughs> so like season two, I'd say is the best season. And that's like, you see... Dan Harmon's influence so, so much. And then you also see the Russo brothers influence and it's this amazing mashup of episodes that is just, it's really worth watching. I mean, there's a bunch of episodes that are just sure different yeah. than anything you've seen, you know? Yeah. They do a Dungeons and Dragons episode in season two, which is amazing. Nice. Uh, I've, I've been watching, um, well, Ryan's been putting on psych for a couple, uh, Okay. and it like it's, right, it's, it's a, a really like quirky silly kind of like fun little thing so i might watch some of that with him but i'll check definitely check out community um caleb to answer your uh previous question making my way through final fantasy mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. uh the original seven um, final so fantasy seven seven be because yep, there's final a million seven. <laughs> that's true yeah. Yeah. um and the original not the remake because i want to get that experience um and right now i'm I'm in this town where I had to do like be like a marching soldier. I think it's like June, Junon or Junon or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cool. I got I got Yuffie. Yeah, I told um, you, bro. Isn't it? <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because you have to follow a certain like response pattern. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. you do, you she can't join your team. And so that was thank you for that because I looked that up and I would never have thought about running around in the forest forever and ever until I fought her. Well, that's the thing. It's like um, there's so much that you can't know going in. It's like they expect you to kind of like revisit the world like many right. times, which I, I mean, I have throughout the years I've gone back. I mean, that game was such like a huge part of my childhood. Like it was all Pokemon and Zelda and Final Fantasy. That was it. Totally. <laughs> well, and then I it was interesting because at one point I was going through the the Sephiroth backstory with the mansion and like his hometown. Yeah. And I there's comes a point where I was sitting there and I said, Wait, how long has it been? I haven't been playing. I've just been reading, and it's been like an hour. Yeah. And because on the on the game uh, for the because I'm playing it on the PlayStation Four, there's a you can hit the click the right left joystick, and it goes three times speed. Yeah, they have that forget, on the Switch port too, and I definitely and I forget have that to do that all the time. <laughs> really? Well, oh, I'm, it's I'm, fucking impossible. Because yeah, you're right. You're sitting there all fucking day just reading about this shit that doesn't make any sense. Otherwise, it's like no. <laughs> right. Well. I'm getting to for the the split screens. I'm doing that, but then I'm trying to do it for what if I'm grinding. Mm-hmm. But then I haven't gotten used to the battle system yet, and like thinking ahead because mm-hmm. it like it it plays above you as you have to decide on the below. And so while you're you know making all your moves, everybody's attacking, and then I'm still getting kind of confused and for like, sure. yeah, oh shit, like what do I do? Um, so it's so I can't really do it during the battles yet. But yeah, no, totally. I was like an hour and. Okay, I get it. Sephiroth's mom, you know, or he's created, but spoiler. <laughs> yeah, but spoiler for a game that came out in the fucking, I don't even know. 1997, <laughs> baby. 97, baby. <laughs> um, 23 years ago. 20, oh, um, Jesus so yeah, there's Christ. That. that can't, that is right. 23 yeah. years. God yep. damn. I know, I'm kind of using this quarantine time to like 
go back to the OGs that I haven't got a, got a chance to play, you know, you or the classics. Experience. Yeah. I'm just, I've been watching so much shit. It's ridiculous. Like an unreal amount of, of stuff on like all platforms. I've really been digging into the South by Southwest stuff now that it's out yeah. on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely doing that this weekend. Anything notable? Um, so there's a bunch of shorts that are like, you know, in varying quality, but I've been focusing on the features and so far, I've seen two out of the seven features. Uh, one of them I saw was a 4chan documentary called That Feel When No Girlfriend. Um, very, very interesting. It's so weird because I like used to spend like way too much time on 4chan. And like it definitely like poisons your brain uh, when you're like a kid. And like, Wait, it is, was... that what d- is that what TFW means? Yeah, That Feel When. No GF. Yeah, just blew your mind, right? Dude, um, I can't, like, <laughs> for so long, I was like, what the hell does that even mean? The fuck when? Like, I don't I don't know. Like, You old man. You fucking boomer. Oh, God. Being 30 <laughs> is rough, boys. Boomer. But no, it was just weird. Okay, it was boomer. like watching, it was like watching an alternate future of, like, if I had made, like, one or two more, like, bad choices, like, my life could have ended up. <laughs> and it's interesting. It it, it, ta- it follows, like, all these people who are kind of trying... They're, they're not normalizing it, necessarily, but they're, they're kind of, like, defending it in a weird way. It's like, no, it's just, like, a place... Like, the internet is, like, really, like, misrepresented in the media, which I think is true. But they kind of, like, gloss over the fact that these, like, websites kind of weaponize anonymity to like radicalize young men on the internet. And I wish they had found like oh. more of a balance between the two perspectives. Um, sure. Like, you know how like a documentary is, like should be, but uh, it's still, I think worth watching for sure. And then I saw okay. another one um, that was an anthology. It was a French anthology movie called selfie where like every segment is kind of like a light, like a, more lighthearted black mirror episode where like showing like how like technology kind of like fucks with people's lives it was cute i i would say that one is uh cool. if you're if that sounds interesting to you <laughs> it's worth checking out but i have i've heard mm-hmm. that the best ones on that are the ones i haven't seen yet so you know saving the best for last is yeah. is the king of staten island is that a south by southwest film or is that already finished? um because i've already been through that because I, I keep seeing they're going to put it out on vod it's it's that's Pete the Pete Davidson, Davidson one directed. and Judd Apatow. Yeah, it's directed by is is it I Apatow? Think he yeah, it at least if he if he didn't direct it. it. Um, I think he did direct it. Somebody big directed that one. It. So they didn't put everything. They like filmmakers had to yeah. like opt in to the Amazon service. No, they had to choose. Um, so like m- lots of shorts like opted in, and then only like a few yeah. features. Um, and I, the that one is not one of them. So I'm assuming they're looking for another mm. distribution outlet. That I mean, it makes sense. It's a obviously going to be a bigger movie yeah i think it was supposed to go to theaters would rip (laughs) um speaking of theaters though i have some news what's what's going on in the world down um so the biggest one for excuse me for movies and theaters and film right now is that regal and uh cineworlds and amc have decided that they will not be playing any Universal movies in theaters after all of this because Universal's decided to put their movies out on VOD. So because Trolls World <laughs> Tour did so damn good, wow. and AMC came out and was like, no, we're going to put our stuff back in theaters after, we're just going to do both, all the theaters were like, fuck you. You cannot do this. You're out. So we'll see how that... It is so amazing know. to me how... I mean, that's such an awful business decision. Like, how tone deaf can yep. you be? You know? 
they're gonna i mean like i'm all for yeah. like i think movie theaters need to die like i'm all for it like <laughs> so you know whatever yeah. poor decisions they make to like run themselves into the ground faster like sure but that boggles my mind that they don't have somebody on their team being like no you fucking idiots like how are you not paying attention like this is the exact opposite of what you need to be doing <laughs> yeah universal like did what they should do put movies out. yeah like what's the problem? And they made more in three weeks than the uh, than the first movie made in its entire theatrical run. Yeah, so it's like it was like when the interview came out and it crushed. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess it's it's, well, a it's different because they, yeah, they almost started. North Korea started a little, wasn't like you can't put trolls out. You can't do it. <laughs> Kim Jong, that was Kim Jong Un's last dying uh, wish before he got fucking murked in brain surgery. He was like, you can't put <laughs> trolls out. Don't let him do it. <laughs> hey. That's that's looking the other way now. It's looking like he's probably okay. I which mean, is... there. Well, I mean, let's be honest. We're not. Well, ever like, how do we? Know. We're not going to know. <laughs> like, they're, they're not going gonna... to tell us. <laughs> we don't know. But uh, but what I was reading was that his sister's probably worse, which is not great. The whole family that's, is that's, just... that's that's sexist. What are they? What what that's are they? Not sexist. What are, what are they what saying that fucking women can't be totalitarian dictators? No, they're saying that they could be better. <laughs> yeah, I think what Brandon's saying is that she's going to be worse than King Jong Un. So. Oh, I thought you meant worse yeah. at running the country, but you meant worse no. as in like a more brutal, <laughs> terrible. I yeah, see. yeah, yeah. No, I mean more. She is. It's it's going to be alive. It's going to be exactly like Avatar. Right? Yeah, she is, she's she the Azula, is Azula IRL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Straight um, up. I mean, that's pretty terrible. But uh, it, you know what was interesting about that is, I I went down this rabbit hole. Of all of these people that defend North Korea, that they're like, America, it's all propaganda and it's a beautiful place and you guys just don't understand the culture. And it's so crazy that, like, I assume that some of it are, like, bots or whatever, but yeah. there's, it's just the brainwashing is so, it's like China, you know, the, the China apologists. Yeah, it it's doesn't just so, make any sense. That's what the power that you like when you control information. That's what you have. You turn people. Well, into yeah, and you can't people that can't think for themselves. Yeah, you just can't control it. Yeah, it's really interesting. So I was I like know, on boys. Reddit until like the wee hours of the morning, just reading all this shit. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh my no. god, I gotta go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what you need to not yeah, be doing no, for, for sure. <laughs> Anything other crazy? Um, I know uh, Venom uh, got Venom, pushed back to May. Venom. Yeah, yeah. So Thank you, Caleb. Everything, everything's just getting pushed back. Well, Eminem um, just has to finish writing the Carnage song, and then they can release it. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, Irfan Khan, yeah, died two days ago, which is very sad. He's you know a phenomenal actor. Um, so that is is very very sad. Um, I don't know what he died of. Yeah, did it say is that COVID? He was, or is he was it, only like fifty four, and it seems yeah, he young. Was, he was fifty three, super yeah. young, and like in great shape. He'd been working a ton, and it's, especially like in the last couple of years, his career was blowing yeah. up. I, you know, I saw him in Slumdog Millionaire. I was like, this guy's fucking great. <laughs> uh, Slumdog Millionaire, Life of Pi, Jurassic World, Inferno. Jeez, oh, yeah. Um, he was a big and, and before Bollywood that, star. he was he was huge yeah. in Bollywood. Apparently, yeah. It says his major breakthrough in Indian cinema was in 2004, where he played Macbeth hey. in, uh, I don't know what it was, but yeah. I, well, I'm guessing Macbeth, an adaptation of... It wasn't, <laughs> yeah, some form of, yeah, I don't know, but... That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah. the, uh, that's been happening is these, I mean, who knows? It could be anything, right? We don't know what his health was like, um, True. but 
It could yeah. be Corona. It could be lots of things. It's fucking sad for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's very, uh, very upsetting. Well, unfortunate. If that's if that's all, I would love to get into the movie for this episode. Josh, um, what movie did you suggest for us to watch? Oh, funny you should ask, Caleb. Um, I suggested Moonlight, Academy Award winning movie from four years ago. Five years. It was 2016 or 16. 2016. 2016. Oh my god! Isn't that crazy? Yep, that's four years ago. That's crazy. Um. Yeah. Would you guys general <laughs> first off general thoughts? I kind of want to. I feel like this movie would be good to kind of break up because it is very obviously segmented. Um, mm-hmm. But general overall thoughts for those uh, who haven't seen it or who have watching it a second time. Brandon, um, I I was not excited going into it, and only because I was like, okay, this movie's going to be heavy. You know, I was like, it's it's Moonlight. It won Best Picture. It felt very Oscar bait movie style. So I was like, okay, I wasn't super excited going into it because I was like, this is going to be heavy. We're in a quarantine and that sucks. I started watching, obviously, while watching it, it was way, um, it was way more entertaining and uh, uh, better almost, this is not the right word, but an almost more relaxed story than I thought it was going to be. Um, I thought it was going to be like, let, like, let's just lay it on, mm-hmm. you know? Let's just try to win a bunch of Academy Awards. And it, and it wasn't that as much as I thought it was going to be that. So I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to, just as like a movie. You know, it wasn't as as preachy as I thought it was going to be or as like, we're definitely going to win some Academy Awards here as I thought it was sure, going to be. Yeah. It was, it was in fact, like a just good story on its own and just well done, Um, which I think is the perception I have a lot of those Academy Award winning movies that I don't end up seeing. Sure. You know, I'm like, oh, it's so it's definitely so pretentious. Then you watch it, and you're like, oh, it's just a movie. Right, it's just a good movie. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes <laughs> that's the case. Sometimes yeah. there are others that are. You, um, it's obviously a vehicle. Yeah, Green Book. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, just, what? I don't know. I what that was thinking Green Book so much. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, Argo, exactly. Argo. Like, I, Oh, geez, guys, I'm sorry. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> but no, I I did uh, I did really enjoy it. I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Oh, cool. So I'll leave it at that. Caleb, for now. this was your second time watching it, right? Yeah, I first I first saw it in theaters before, like when it, you know, obviously before it had any of that awards buzz or anything. This is like a really, I mean, it's a twenty four independent film, like adapted from a play. It's a very like subtle small movie, so I don't think that there were these like huge aspirations uh, in production. Right. You know, it's like this movie is going to be. I agree, Brandon, that it has like sort of in like recent years at least, it's got that subject matter and kind of story that you would be like, Oh, they just made this for fucking. But I think what right. separates is, is that there's like artistic integrity. <laughs> well, yeah. you, and, and I agree yeah. with you. Like that's, that was, the, that's what I realized when watching it. I was like, Oh, never yeah. mind. This started off as something where they were just trying to make this yeah. story. And it, it resonated up, with not lots the other of people. way around. Yeah. 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 yeah right. Totally. Yeah. Um, I definitely really, really like it. It's very visually poetic which is something I appreciate mm-hmm. a lot. I think the visuals are its greatest strength. Um, I mean, it paints such a beautiful portrait of Miami. I love the colors. I love all the performances. For me, I feel like it's one of those films that people are kind of generous because of the subject matter and the way that it handles that subject matter very delicately. I get that. I yeah. don't think it's perfect. I think yeah. it has a pretty severe pacing issue. 
But overall, I mean, it's a great movie, and I'm really glad that it won over like bullshit like La La Land or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. No, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Because I, wa- I watched La La Land, and I was like, wait, this is a musical? You know what I mean? <laughs> and and it's just, it was, there were some good moments in that movie, but um, but for me, for Moonlight, this was my first time watching it, and I did actually get to watch it a, a second time, which is awesome, because I have eight pages of notes that we don't have to get to all of them, but you know, it is nice to be able to watch the movie twice to actually just take the notes um, and experience it the first time I yeah. was, I was kind of like Brandon because like everybody was talking about this movie, you know, in the, in the community in the gay community and the black community, it's everyone's like, Oh, you must see this. And I just never got around to it. And I, I don't know why I just was never in my peripheral. Right. I just never quite sat down and watched yeah. it. Um, and I was surprised at how, well of a balance because it's very easy for it to just be a gay movie you know or the black experience movie or like whatever and it's and it's both and it's it's i think it's a well um intertwined web of you know i almost wanted it to be a little more gay you know but i understand why it's you know um we'll talk about the ending obviously but you know it but it's, it's the subtleties right it's the it's the saying the words um it gets brought up a lot you know, not having the words to say what you feel. And so trying to navigate mm-hmm. that. And I felt that was very powerful. Um, so, yeah, no, I loved it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think um, it's tough for me because so much of the film is about what is on what you're unable to say, what's not being said. And you have to rely on the visuals. And I think all of that works. I just feel like it doesn't work for the whole two hours. Sure. You know what I mean? Uh, I feel there like comes it's a point where you just very... want them to talk. Just it's say very, something, you know. It's stretched out like really long. I think it kind of overstays its welcome a little bit. Yeah, but s- I agree with that. But I also found that just splitting it up like they did um, into three acts with three completely different actors playing the character that helped break up the pacing for me a lot. Right? Because you get to the end of one one act and you're like, oh, okay. So now we're on to you know what? Just breaking yeah, it up gears. like that helped the pacing. Yeah, yeah, I would. I mean, I think each individual section is great. But and I don't know. I don't know if I'm I'm but, fucking up the way that you wanted to kind of talk about it, Josh. But no, I mean me, we can. Uh, yeah, we can do broad strokes and then I can go in. I it felt like instead of set up narrative conclusion, it felt like set up set up conclusion. Like the mm. first two segments to me Ooh, felt like okay. it was building to something, building to something, building to something. And then the third act was the dismount and we never actually got the thing like that life, that period of life that we miss from teenager to adulthood. I felt that's the story and we're just getting the build up and conclusion of that story. And I think yeah. that that's fine. And I'm not saying that's not, you know, that doesn't work in and of itself as an idea. I just feel underwhelmed. Especially this time right. when I okay. when I watched it, I don't know if I'm making sense. No, well, well, that's definitely um, something to touch base on because if you think about it, um, you know, the third part. Uh, well, just to just to describe, so the movie breaks um, the, uh, breaks itself up into three parts. Uh, the first part being little um, when he was a kid, about what do you say, like ten years old or so? Uh, yeah, like like twelve. Yeah, like ten that. to twelve. I think ten to twelve. Probably about yeah. um, the second chapter is Sharon. Uh, which is him, same character, but in high school. And the third yeah. chapter is Black, which is him as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and also, yeah. uh, go ahead. 
sorry, I just I found it very interesting that it was uh, equally as split up to the people that he was around. You know, like the first act is all about Mahershala Ali, the second act is all about his mom, and then the third act comes back around and bookmarks it with his friend again. Right, and then yeah. but then but right? everybody he's he's in contact with does show up or is referenced in each part, which right. is good, which is good continuity. Like you, you get a follow, yeah. you know, at one point I did think that the adults, Kevin, um, which is his childhood best friend or friend, right. um, lover. We'll get into that. Um, <laughs> spoilers. I thought it was, I thought maybe it was the, um, the bully, the bully, but I, that was confusion. And when I watched it the second time, it was very clear to me. And I was like, Oh, I don't know why I thought of that. Um, but uh, yeah. the very three very distinct parts, and um, I kind of just want to touch base on some of the stuff I loved from the from the first part, if that's okay for you guys to kind of go through, yeah, and then if you please. guys want to interject and conversation goes otherwhere, that's totally fine. Um, what I loved about, well, I guess just the overall shots of the movie. There's a lot of close-ups, right? There are a lot of very focused mm-hmm. on the face, on the eyes. You know, I think towards the end, I was really looking at the eyes. I'm like, oh, okay, they're very, almost dreamlike, kind of like suspended, um, daydreamy. You know, it's these moments, right? And my my favorite shot, I love when they start this off, you know, because it takes place a little bit in like, not the not the slums of Miami, but the, the lower class, um, working class or whatever kind of projects. And the it's the first shot of Juan, played by Brandon Yusuf. Yes. Um, comes out, he's checking up on the spot, you know, and it's the camera just does a circle around the it just never stops circling the actors and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really cool kind of, you know, involvement with the camera and with the actors and just the, the non stop, you know, scene until they he left. They you know. They did that circling again in the second act with the fight. Um, and it was in a really, really cool shot. It was almost the same shot, but it was when that bully with the long hair is walking the circle, yeah. trying to get the other guy to punch him in the face. They do the same thing where they follow him in the circle, yep. and it's this this spinning, which is like it's just a beautiful, beautiful shot. It's so it's, but they do a lot of those continuous kind of, you know, mm-hmm. encapsulating the the actors, which I really thought. Um, but if you noticed the the juxtaposition of the classical music over kind of his world, which is you know he's a very quiet child, hardly speaks. You know, he gets kind of adopted by, you know, Ali's character, Juan and Teresa, played by Janelle Monet. Uh, and it's just really, it's really cool. I love the intimacy. I loved the world that they kind of brought to this kid who doesn't have a father and his mom's kind of a drug addict. I'm not sure if she's a such an addict at the beginning of the movie or if she does use... Um, I mean, I feel that- like it's pretty clear... In the this yeah. scene where she, like Juan confronts her at the car, and she's like, "I'm right, getting no, but that's... it from you." Like, I mean, I agree that it's right. not, we don't we don't see her as physically deteriorated as we do later. Yes, but I, yes. I I think she's definitely still portrayed as a pretty deep in addiction. Well, because I felt like she's more motherly at the beginning, you know, with the don't you know don't watch TV, you know, you got to read, you know, I just worry about you. Yeah, but that's but then think about immediately after that, he brings him back again, and she like rips him inside, goes and grabs all of her drug shit, runs in the other yeah. room, you know, right? And like you see her smoking in that car. That's why he comes up because like, oh no, I'm definitely I and I didn't say yeah, she yeah. wasn't an addict, but I just didn't know if like how dependent she was because in the second act and the third act, 
Well, third act, she's in rehab or a halfway house. Yeah. The second act, she's like unemployed. She's, you know, very far in the. Jones. I think that's more because I think the entire film is kind of framed uh, through Chiron's perspective. So when he's a kid, he's not. He doesn't really like understand what's happening. And the way that he views the world is very not innocent because he is dealing with through lots of stuff, but he doesn't have that information. And that's why right. it's so heartbreaking, in my opinion, one of the best scenes in the movie. And I think the scene that got Mahershala the award uh, was when he's like, do you sell drugs and do you sell drugs to my mom? Like, you know, that whole all that stuff. And then it's like, OK, now he's a teenager and this is his worldview now. Well, all right. Can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah. Because it did trip me out that Mahershala Ali was only in the movie for 15 minutes. Well, he was yeah. best or whatever it was. <laughs> I know, and he was amazing. But it's just like I was like, "You're done." Well, I was okay. a little conf- was I was great. a little confused because <laughs> but- I did have the question of like what what happened to him, right? And the only reference the movie makes was when his when he comes the second part uh, in the second act. Sharon, when he goes back to Teresa's when he go place. no when he goes back to, well Teresa's place, but then when he comes back home. After his mom says to get, you know, find some place to stay, she's like, "How is she? I haven't seen her since the funeral." Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, died. "Okay, interesting. He died. We don't know. It doesn't. It isn't really explained how or why or whatever. No. But all we know is that it's another father figure that you know he he had, which is like I think is very is a very touching thing for him to be a drug dealer or a seller. You know, he doesn't actually deal with the drugs. He just does the money handling um and to like have him and Teresa, i loved them talking to uh little or sharon you know and he was yeah. asking the questions because i have this like it's like this dichotomy of um being a father figure and like somebody who opens up conversation right like they're not trying to say like i'm your dad you know whatever but they see this kid in need who doesn't really talk and you know he asks you know what is a faggot you know, and Ali, uh, Mr. Ali was like, um, you know, don't, I mean, it, you could, you can be gay, but don't let anybody call you a faggot. You know, it's, and it's like, he's, he's honest enough to tell the kid the truth, even though, you know, T- Teresa's like on one of the things he's like, ah, she's like, don't do it. Uh, and then, but actually being able to foster, like when he's like, am I, you know, the kid asks, am I a faggot? And they were, um, they foster that kind of you know you'll know when you know you don't have to decide now you're too young type of you know mentality yeah, I, feel I really like appreciate part that. is all just about informing his worldview and it's all and that's what i mean when i say it's the setup you know you're introduced to all of the key characters in his life you kind of get a sense of the type of person he is and doesn't want to be and wants to become ultimately and then all of the struggles that are kind of going to afflict him throughout his growth as a person um, right. and I think all of that's done pretty successfully and it's only 20 minutes, maybe up to a half hour. Um, yeah. And it's all visually, it's all aesthetic, very poetic. Um, and I think it does a really good job of setting everything up for sure. Uh, I didn't have, you know, any issue necessarily, Brandon, with having that be kind of all that we see of Mahershala. I was like, that's exactly the purpose that character serves in this other in Chiron's life. I was like, "Oh no, I'm just surprised he won an Academy Award." Uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm not necessarily. I think he did a really like good it job. Was, 
I think he did an amazing job. I just you don't think I just don't think about yeah. it like that, you know? Yeah, true. Um well like cuz even like let's say like I don't know, the last who won best supporting actor last year? Marshall Ali. <laughs> For, for Green, Green Book, Book. right? <laughs> yes, but there's a movie that he's in the entire time. That's all I'm saying. It just, it tripped me out. Yeah. It felt very um, uh, Anthony Hopkins and Hannibal. Like, oh shit, you won for being on screen for 10 minutes? That's amazing. That's all you need. I think like, didn't uh, yeah. quality Anne Hathaway, over quantity, baby. Anne Hathaway won for Les Mis, and she was on yes. for the song. Yeah, but Josh, yeah. she's cried, and so... That's true. Hey, so did so did Mahershala Ali. But there he had go. like one thug tear, you know what I mean? Like yeah, Anne fair. Hathaway ugly cried as she, her head was getting shaved, and Tom Hooper was like, "Fucking sing, fucking sing for me." <laughs> <laughs> did any um, did any of the kids get nominated? I any don't of the three kids? think so. I think it was just, in my opinion, I thought Naomi Harris should have been nominated as the mother. Who uh, oh, the mother? Mom. Yeah, she was amazing. Naomi, oh my yeah. god! I I think I liked um, what's her name better though? Janelle Monae. Janelle. I mean, I yeah. liked her as a character better for sure, but uh, I I thought that that portrayal of not just a drug addict, but like everything, like a single mom, like struggling to raise yeah. a son that you don't understand and also right. maybe didn't necessarily want. And just like that desperation of her in the second part, just like, give me the money, give me the fucking money. I need to like calm down, I need to relax. Yeah. And then the third part of her kind of, Get, being in yeah. the process of healing i thought all of that that journey for her was so oh, it I was incredible it so even well. even the argument like the whole what brandon brought up like the you know you sell me the drugs who are you gonna raise my son you're a drug dealer you know you're not yeah. you're not a piece of sh- you're a piece of shit you know she's like how dare you you know tell me um yeah. how to raise my son or like say that i'm bad or whatever um and that's what i thought was great it's in the second part in high school she uses the the excuse that, you know, I'm your blood, I'm your mom, you owe me, you know, tell Teresa that, you know, you're my son. And it's, it brings up that issue of being motherly and being a mother. You know, they are, I think they are different. Like you can have yeah. someone who's nurturing and who actually should be like, is acting as the mother. That's not your mom, you know, that a kid needs to, to have. Um, yeah. And totally. it's just, it's so... You know, having that adopted family type of stuff to help raise, you know, Sharon versus his reality. And it's just, it was so, I just love the du- the duality of that. Um, I love, real quick as a kid, you notice that, like, he's quiet. He's kind of gets, he obviously gets bullied and stuff like that. But in the dance class, I thought it was a cool little moment of um, yeah. living his life. him just living his best <laughs> life. And I was like, you oh, go, yeah. you know. So. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> and then the bathroom when they're all. Looking at each other's dicks, right? <laughs> right. Boys will be boys, you know. Just boys will be compare. boys. That's that's the locker room talk that they were talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. The first part. I don't know what else really to say about it. It's all just the setup for the rest of it. It really is. Good, it's a, a big setup, and then you go into high school part two, and you know, I my biggest issue with the second part, um, and I know this this episode might be a little more, um systematic but that's i uh is the the motivation or the yeah the motivation of tyrone the bully and like why you know was he part of that's why i thought the bully was maybe his friend at the beginning or part of that group that was playing smear the queer which by the way i thought of the second time i was watching i was like this is totally smear the queer 
And then I wait. Yeah, can you explain that? Because I didn't know what the hell was going on there. I was like, you guys just aren't playing football. So What's smear the queer is like you get a football or you get a ball, and then whoever has it, you have to run and tackle them, right? And what's okay. interesting is that it's just a, it's like a it's you know rugby tackle or whatever, you know. And then you like cough it up, and the next person has to run away from people, and they like have to take the ball away or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I didn't actually quite. Um, realize how bad the name was until I said it out loud. I'm like, oh, it's Smear the Queer. And I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I was guilty of playing that as a kid. But I, it's it's such I, a I, I've bad never name, heard of that before. Know? Yeah, I've never heard of that before. Uh, that might be a Canada thing. But, like, I had no idea. I was like, okay, so you guys are just playing, like, let's fight for the ball. That's fine. Right. <laughs> but I was like, well, I don't understand the – I guess without realizing that, that moment felt lazy to me because I was like, why aren't – why don't you wouldn't you just have them playing football or something? That makes way more sense. Yeah, this means oh, I always queer. just I mean, assumed it was just kids like playing a game. <laughs> well, they are, and it's called Smear the Queer. So no, I'm just saying I didn't like bother. You know? I I totally see what you're saying. I, I, for in, in my head though, I was like, you could ju- you could have just told them to kick the ball and have them playing soccer. For I was like, what's going on here? So that makes way more sense, Josh. And then why he didn't want to pick up the ball? Yeah, all of that didn't make any sense to me. I was like, why are you having a moment here? You're just playing with your friends. Now, I but I think it was also a vehicle to show them how much of an outsider he is, or how how he is. Yeah, a like hundred percent. That's the intention. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you the know? whole movie is about being othered and like being yeah, unable yeah. to fit into these labels that like you're supposed to, or society like puts onto you, and what you do to kind of like craft your own identity under the weight of these expectations. Like a thousand percent, like through yeah. the whole thing. It's for me. That's what I got out of it. I didn't have the problem with the bullies' motivations because pe- people are just bullies. Just assholes, yeah. <laughs> like, they exist. And I think that knowing that kind of Chiron has this, like, he's perceived by others as weaker and, like, an easy target and as somebody who doesn't fight back. And there's already this huge note throughout the film of masculinity or hyper-masculinity and how that kind of comes from imposing yourself onto others in direct competition. Right. I just immediately understood like, Oh, this, that's exactly like what this character is. And, and he was until Chiron decided to stand up for himself and fight back and become the next iteration right. of his, of his character. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, he, what I found great was, um, well, we can talk about the intimacy later. Uh, yeah, I feel that, the bull- so the bully situation and the hypermasculinity, the bullies, the bullies always travel in groups, and I always hate that. And I know that the man, the mentality behind it is because ultimately they are scared, or they, you know, they probably aren't as tough as they they make it out to be. Especially Tyrone, you can kind of tell he's all vibrato. Um, it's but like Terrell, Kevin, by the way, I'm sorry, it's just Terrell. <laughs> it's not. It's not Tyrone. It's not Tyrone. <laughs> it's Chiron is the main character, and then Chiro- Kevin, yeah, no Chiron and then Terrell here. But Josh, I agree with you. Like I kept watching that, and I expected something to come around with that character. Um, oh my bad. Yeah, no, point. I definitely wrote it down wrong. That's sorry. I wrote it down as Tyrone. Um, like I, I, ex- I expected something to come from that, and for there to be a revelation other than him just breaking a chair on his face, which was awesome. But, well, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I but. feel like it's it's not. There's a lot of this film that's not meant to be like literal. It's all poetic, and the implications of him standing up to the bully and then immediately kind of gets sent off to juvenile hall and then becomes the person we see in the third part. Like that, I don't think that that character was relevant anymore. It served its purpose 
as like well, a storytelling de- tool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, I feel that it's funny because as soon as, you know, the victim fights back, he's the one who gets in trouble. <laughs> you know, like the reason they yeah. had the whole knockdown stay down game with Kevin was because the bully didn't want to be responsible until obviously he was on the ground. They were kicking him, but it was just kind of, I don't know. It was, it was frustrating because we all know it is an actual reality in schools and which shouldn't be there, but it is. Um, There'll always be somebody trying to make themselves feel better by violence uh, to those who can't help themselves. Um, But my original point with the hypermasculinity is Kevin coming in and talking, uh, telling Sharon about the story about him, you know, with this girl in the stairwell, you know, banging her back out, you know, and, uh, and I kind of just thought I was like, I definitely have been there. I've definitely been the one to be like, oh yeah, I had, you know, slept with this girl and, you know, telling those stories to kind of not hide, but like kind of be part of the group. You know, Kevin has a really great social mask because he, he does what he needs to, to survive. And it's easier for him to play that part kind of like I, for me in high school, that was very easy for me to be the jock, the, um, you know, the straight guy. So I really kind of, I really felt and connected with Kevin's, um, survival instinct and, you know, yeah. The juxtaposition of those two characters, uh, is the strongest narrative thread. I think throughout the whole thing, you have, uh, Chiron and Kevin's, I mean, that is the film to me. I think that's the story of the film. And I think that's made explicitly clear by the final kind of moments. And obviously we'll get to that when we get to it. Um, But yeah, I think in the second half, second half, (laughs) the second third, uh, the middle segment, um, Kevin as a character is definitely interesting to me. And I think because so much of the film is about subtlety and about the people that live in, in these types of lives and in this community can't express themselves or be open for fear of retribution or being othered. Um, it is like really, really understated and it, and it kind of, I wanted to extrapolate more. I wanted to spend more time in the second segment. Sure. Um, and, and I think we leave it, I think we leave it a little too early for my, for my tastes, or if not leave it too early, I think there's stuff that we didn't see that I wanted to see. But yeah. it's still visually stunning. I love all the camera work, Brandon. That moment that you called out in the when he's right? getting the bully, or when the bully's getting the circle together. Yeah, um, really, really well done. All of the match cuts between Kevin and Chiron's faces, all the shots on the beach, uh, just really, really gorgeous. And that I think is the single greatest strength the film has is yeah. like visual poetic storytelling for sure. Well, yeah, and there's the the intimacy, like the. The vulnerability on the beach, mm-hmm. I just felt, you know, even that hesitation for that first kiss, you know, because you don't know, you know, you're, That's in, you're so in high school. so powerful. And it's, yeah, it's so palpable. <laughs> it's it's everything suggested, you know, you don't see him getting, you know, jerked off or anything, but you you see the hand on the neck and the head on the shoulder, and I love that it's brought back at the end. Um, But let's, yeah, let's kind of dive in. Caleb, you mentioned earlier that the the disconnect between the second Part and the third part where all of a sudden he's just super trade and jacked as fuck. And I mean, I, well, so, like, <laughs> but I'm sure you guys read this as well, but they didn't let any of the actors who played um, Little, they didn't let any of them see or talk to each other. 
they wanted three completely different performances. They didn't let them compare notes. They didn't let them learn each other's manners, mannerisms. None oh, interesting. They wanted three comp- yeah, so I wanted to bring that up because I wanted to hear your thoughts about that as a director. So they actively kept them apart, didn't let them talk to each other, didn't have them you know, compare notes, none of that. They wanted three distinct different people. So all they had was that the felt script. Different. Like they knew what happened the before. Yeah. I, yeah, they had I the think script. that's great right. because it, it allows you them to manifest – um, their own experiences through the character. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a unique and interesting way of doing things. Um, I hope that after they were done right. filming their scenes, they were able to hang out and talk to each other. But yeah, you, uh, you know, you guys have to hate each other now. It's forever. Little, it's, <laughs> You're in a it's war. The actors, little for little, and uh, Sharon just sitting there in the viewing tent or whatever, just like judging. Uh, <laughs> Trevante. <laughs> Um, I mean, Trevante Rhodes, yeah. Trevante Rhodes, yeah. Who could play 50 Cent, by the way? Yes! Oh my god, I wasn't going to say that because I didn't want to sound racist, but 100%. No, I mean, I don't think it's racist. I think if you put two pictures together, you're like... When he's got the fronts in and he's like in the low tech car, I'm definitely like, oh yeah. 100 Yeah, 50 Cent He's all jacked. He's got that same kind of body type as 50 Cent, too. Yeah. You know, like he's very, very jacked. Uh, He was was really good. I, I, when he drops that line on his mom where he's like, I hate you, and it's super vulnerable and just comes out, uh, I thought that was the best delivered line in the movie. Oh, yeah, the whole, that whole scene with them sitting there at the rehab center. I, yeah. Well, and then just the apology from the mom, you know, I'm just like, I was a mess. <sighs> so good. Did yeah, you notice that, really that uh, the third part started, you know, it's like it went from classical in the first part. The second part, I don't really quite note. There were some um, scores, like music and stuff. Um, but not as much as a lot of like ambient noises, like from the scene or from the environment and stuff like that. And then the third part's like well, opens up with like this hip hop heavy, you know, this world yeah. that he has. I think is interesting because Caleb, you mentioned that, you know, he the thing happens with the chair where he gets the bully back, but then he gets arrested and sent <laughs> off to. But he moves to Atlanta, where he says he just builds himself Atlanta. back up. You know. Yeah. Yeah, they said that, but they put him on the block. Well, yeah, he was in he was in juvenile hall, and then when he got out of juvenile hall, he kind of got set up with that job, and then kind of rose up. Yeah. Well, I the music is interesting because I I mean I think there's a difference in the film between the score and then the diegetic music because the very first shot of Mahershala Ali's character, like he's listening to the same like chopped and screwed hip hop stuff in the car that yeah that Black ends up listening to in in the end. Um, so that's definitely like a through line throughout yeah. the whole thing. Um, but yeah, the, as far as the score goes, but the score too, by the end, you know, when he, yeah. when he and Kevin get back together, that's still there. I think the music was used pretty much appropriately. Definitely. I thought film. it was great. Well, I loved, yeah. I loved the straight mirroring of, um, uh, Mara Shalas. I'm going to, I'm sorry if I murdered that one, Mr. Ali's, um, character to black at the end, like, with the crown in the car, with the type of car, with the with the jewelry, mm. with the you know the fronts and stuff, and just that demeanor. Just the, but you know the the demeanor, the way he holds himself. He is you know very strong and like a powerful personality, but he doesn't say anything until he gets ready for you know? his date with uh, Kevin, which I thought was really cute. <laughs> when he comes um, down. Before we get too far into that stuff, I just wanted to touch back on your point about having the three actors not kind of communicate. And I understand thematically why that is important and would be good because you want them to feel like very distinct people because they are different people. I mean, that's the whole reason they're in the script. They're written as three different characters. 
Like they have completely right. transformed in their snapshots of this one life. I think the trade-off is that there doesn't, there isn't like a, there isn't any cohesion because of it. Like visually we're, we're told how it kind of is cohesive, but I feel like there isn't performance wise. I would have, I don't know if it's possible to have both. Um, but I think that it would have been better for me if I was able to track it because there really isn't that much to the character. You know what I mean? It's all based off of yeah, how being the quiet other people... and not really talking. Well, and that's the problem, or not the not the problem. There's not, an issue. If they're not telling you, we're not going to know. the The issue with the character is that he doesn't have any defining characteristic traits except for his pain, and that makes it a very like difficult movie to sit through uh, emotionally for me because he doesn't mm-hmm. have any personality traits other than his oppression and the way that other characters treat him. Like, you know, who is he? I don't know this person because it's three different people. And that's to me, like, I wrestle with it because it is such a visual poetic statement artistically. And I told, mm-hmm. and I think they succeeded in their intention. But for me, it leaves me, I think, wanting more. I, I, okay. I don't know. I totally understand what you're saying. But as I think about it, I don't. I think his defining characteristic is his growth, right? Is that from the first story to the second story, he becomes this, he goes from being a kid who's getting bullied and doesn't want to fight back to learning to fight back. And by the end of the second story, he's accomplished that. Um, and that turns him into the guy of the third story, right? That's the, yeah. I mean, that's the story for sure. And, but that's, that's his character. That's his character's, story that's where his character is going so his character is defined by by the third story his character is defined by his ability to fight back that's why we see him change you know but i think the somber tone of everything is because he he is he is still struggling under the systemic oppression that he faces both as a black man as a gay man i'm not oh definitely i'm not saying it's bad definitely. and like, i'm not saying that we have to agree no, no, no. but i don't no, no, know no, anything about this person because he hasn't because the movie is him struggling to find an identity, he doesn't have one. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Well, yeah. I mean, it's Kevin at the end saying, you know, who are you? You know? Mm-hmm. He's like, like, I don't know. And I'm sitting in the audience like, I don't know either. <laughs> and I would have loved to be right. able to connect to you. But that's, I think, the bigger issue is that, I mean, in the elephant in the room, is that neither none of us have these experiences. And I think it yeah. resonates a lot more with people who kind of do identify with these struggles. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, like, you know, Josh, I assume, has had closer experiences than, than we have. But at the same time, like, there's, I think there's stuff that everybody can pull. Like, I obviously, with the, the bullying stuff, that resonated very much for me, you know, and the fighting definitely. back and all of that. Yeah. No, there's bits and pieces, and you can definitely, like, empathize, you know, as a human being. But I, yeah. for me, like when, when I look at, when I read the reviews and I read like those essays in that screenplay book that I bought and ha- kind of the, the cultural importance and significance of this film, um, you know, I, I think, I don't think it's wrong to say that we're all missing pieces of that. For yeah. sure. For Did sure. you find um, anything like, what are the, cause you have a, you have a book that's the screenplay with some interviews and speeches in it. Was there anything interesting in that or? that kind of helped shape your view of the movie again, or is it just, it it helped me appreciate it as a piece of art for made by and for an oppressed group of people for sure. Like, a, um, you know, it's got the H I mean, I, so the book I'm talking about is the A24 screenplay book. And so it's got the entire screenplay. It's got a forward by Frank ocean, um, which is really beautiful. 
It's got an essay um, kind of describing why it's so important for young, I mean, for young people, but specifically young gay black kids to see themselves on screen portrayed this way and their story portrayed this way. It's got the Barry Jenkins, uh, Terrell, Alvin McCreevy, McCreevy, um, their acceptance speeches for Best Original Screenplay, um, Herschel's acceptance speech for Best Supporting Actor. And then the speech that they were go, the producers were going to give if, <laughs> if the Academy hadn't fucked up so bad <laughs> in giving out the award. So, so it definitely good. frames all of it in, in, in a way that's like, okay, I understand why this resonates so much with people. And I feel like I get like 85, 90% of the way there. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think the movie right. is really, really good at kind of allowing you, an outsider, to empathize with that story. But it just doesn't go all the way for me because I feel like we're missing so much still. Yeah, like definitely it, is, leaned... it is purposefully vague. And I think that's good and bad is what I'm saying. Right. Well, because if you haven't, if you don't have the personal experiences to fill in those gaps, yeah, you are going to have kind of that, yeah. you know, that missing feeling, that empty feeling. Um, I, you know, I thought some of the more beautiful moments in the last part were with a scene in the kitchen, you know, about, you know, saying that you're the only guy who's ever touched me or, you know, and since then, and they still can't say that we're gay and that I love you or whatever, but it's, it's the actions, right? It's the cooking of the the dinner. I, you know, cooking is love. It's an act of love. And like they, in their own ways, they show, they still care. And the chemistry is still there, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from years and years. I, I thought that was beautiful. That, I thought that the whole way that was shot, like him cooking and everything, and he keeps like kind of pe- like looking through the whatever you call that, you know, like the window area to see that he's still there. Like I thought that was so well done, and I've never seen that. I've never seen that scene before, which you think that you would have, sure. yeah. you know, just like ro- the romanticizing that moment of somebody making food for somebody else as an action of love. I just I had just never seen it done that way, and it was beautiful, like really beautiful. Yeah, I think- yeah, I, gorgeous. I love the shots of the food. I mean, I'm a big food porn guy, so like anytime, anytime <laughs> there's like really good food, I, and I made that fucking Cuban shit look delicious. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm so hungry afterwards. Oh, I want to go to Miami now. He's like, oh, you, what? Oh, so what? You you fucking Cuban? He's like, I'll be in the kitchen, Poppy. And I was like, yeah, like it's great. They're great. They're. I think the adults did probably the best job for sure. Yeah. Um, and I agree. Like all, each one is an amazing short film. I just wish all together it had a bigger. Mm-hmm. You know. Sure. Uh, that's just me. I I also I recognized both those guys as the adults. Have they what what else have they been in? I recognize them both. Uh, Trevant, so Trevante Rhodes that was like his like pretty much his like big, big break. Big he break. He was just in yeah. The Predator. <laughs> okay, but that's I mean that's a, it's a huge movie. Yeah, I mean it's not great, but it's definitely a huge for his career for sure. And then um, I'm gonna fucking mess it up. It's Andre Howard or Holland. Uh, Andre Holland. He's in a bunch of shit. A bunch of, like, a bunch he of shit, right? He was in Selma. Yeah. He was in the Jackie Robinson movie. He was in that right. High Flying Bird movie on Netflix. So he's like doing great. Yeah. You know, he's he's High it. Flying Bird. Yeah. Uh, it's a bas- it's about a, the basketball lockout. Um, I think I think oh, you would cool. think it was actually really interesting. Oh, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, he's like yeah, the yeah, main okay. character in that. Well, right. let's talk about, right. I kind of want to get into, because we're tailing the end of um, our time, but so Barry Jenkins, right, writer director of the piece, did you know if Bale Street could talk? Another Academy Award winning movie or nominated? Oh, um, okay. okay. I think it was nominated a couple years ago. Yeah, um, yeah I don't 
know if it actually was for best picture. I think for screenplay. For screenplay. It was nominated for some yeah, stuff for, for sure. And uh, like the actress got nominated. And I mean, I guess, you know, Caleb, you can kind of chime in on this, but what also interested me was, was the vernacular and the way it's written, like the characters speak. I don't know how much of that was like kind of improv with the culture and the actors and stuff like that, or how much was actually written on paper. It but was it was pretty interesting be- directly lifted from the page, which I found really? impressive. And that's so really Jenkins- impressive because it's very, it's very like urban, you know, Miami. You know what I mean? Like, uh, well, I mean, Barry Jenkins and the co-writer, um, Terrell Alvin, Mc- Terrell Alvin McCraney. Sorry, uh, my phone's all fucked up. My phone screen. <laughs> um, who and he, t- the McCraney guy, is the one who it was like his play. Like he's a he's a playwright. First and foremost, oh, okay. they, they they adapted it from that together, and you, I think you can really tell that it's from theater or like not necessarily started out as film. Until you had said that earlier in the podcast, I didn't realize. But once you said that, I was like, oh yeah, all yeah. right, <laughs> yeah, that's super okay, um, all right. But they both, you know, they both come from that world. You know, they both come from Miami and like living and have had these experiences. So I I think like for sure it all comes from the page, and that all feels very authentic. And then the actors also deserve credit for helping to make it feel that way too. Cause exactly. they could have, they could have like totally fucked it up, but they all were, did really, really good jobs. Yeah. I mean, especially, um, Mr. Ali with his, like, you can tell, like, you know, you could, as uh, somebody who's not really looking at the characteristics, but like, Oh man, that guy has a lot of tension in his lips, you know, but I definitely think that's like a choice by the character of Juan to be a little more like, you know, tough looking because you kind of have to on the streets, right? To like protect yeah. yourself and survive. But yeah, I mean, if it makes sense in the world of the movie, I kind of always assume it's a purposeful choice. <laughs> you hope, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, you have to. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> also, like the last thing I had seen with him was Green Book, and he's much smaller in that. So he came on a TikTok, and I was like, "When did you film this? You're huge here." Small, like he's smaller like, as in like less muscular, like thinner, oh, thinner. Yeah, yeah. Like, like like not lifting weights. Well, for I it. feel like there. Yeah, you know, it was yeah a different, there's a difference between such a different uh, character. Yeah, I was just, it was impressive. I was like, holy shit! I mean, it is really interesting because the first thing I remember seeing Mahershala in was Curious Case of Benjamin Button, where he's very Whoa. very thin in that movie. Yeah, and then you see something like saying. this, and he's a completely different guy, which is good. He's just jacked. To transform, you know? Well, and then I, I mean, now he's gonna be Blade, which makes way more sense to see. So, this. Like, oh, okay. oh, that's awesome. Oh shit! All right. Oh yeah, he's gonna be the best. Um, every time I think I'm like done with the MCU, they like announce something, and I'm like, "Fuck, yeah, you know how to pull me right back in." Oh, I know, God, <laughs> My, it's the worst. I love, I love that Kevin Feige came out and somebody was asking him about Keanu, and they were like, "How come you haven't uh, offered him a role yet?" And he was like, "We legitimately <laughs> offer Keanu a role in every Marvel movie we make. He just hasn't picked a character yet." <laughs> it's like he's gonna. How awesome when is it, that? When it's when it's right, it'll be perfect. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, it's going to be the best. I kind of wish that he was Morbius instead of Jared Leto. Um, well, you I mean, you know what happened there, right? Apparently, Jared Leto got all pissed off because of the Joker movie, because he was supposed to get a Joker movie. Yeah. And he has the same reps as the the, the, uh, the writer and director. Uh, what's his I name? I don't know. I don't know anything uh, about Morbius. The, it was, no, 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 no. For the Joker, the guy you did oh, the Tom hangover. Oh, Phillips? So, so they, had the, they were with the same agency. And the agency apparently told Jared Leto to like fuck himself, and they weren't going to do anything about it. So yeah, he I left. He went to yeah. the other major agency and then jumped to Marvel. Well, ma- so the whole thing is just a fuck. Maybe you. he should have done a better job. I don't know. <laughs> right, or like not been an asshole. 
or not you know, you send know? like full condoms to his co-workers or what i don't know what a fucking nut that's okay a yeah i God. it's a whole tangent I mean, we can go on but we should yeah probably we can really go on forever <laughs> but such a tangent to, to finally, not to go uh, on right now exactly to wrap well you know i think well, it's no i mean is there though. anything you else you wanted to say josh i know you had like a whole thing um I'm sorry. no i i i've been kind of piecemealing and i think it's it's been great i just want to talk about that last shot of the the little on the beach in the oh, moonlight and yeah please the going from seeing his entire experience you know and his choices in life to going back to his younger self you know it's it's kind of the same thing in like the method right we always play with our five-year-old self or whatever to kind of remember the um <laughs> that sounded wrong we uh <laughs> i was with you until brandon started laughing and I was like, <laughs> thank you brandon for I tried making to hold this it together. A, uh, okay sorry i'm not a pedophile i'd like to clear clear the air um but we have to you know going back to our childhood and the remembering the innocence of it right before everything that w- so socially was put onto us to create that mask or whatever guards we put up right you know having yep. little on the beach in the moonlight you know juan has that beautiful story about uh blue being called blue by the old lady in cuba i think that was beautiful but then looking out on the horizon the ocean and like the possibilities in his life you know and then that look back almost told me you know you know let's do this let's come with me but um yeah i thought overall you know my last kind of bit on the movie was beautifully done um perfect amount of gay versus the urban black life experience you know and the bullying thing it touched on really heavy things but it wasn't overwhelming for me to be like okay that's a little much and i thought it was very well done any final thoughts boys uh yeah i i mean the same thing i thought it was very 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 well done um it surprised me it wasn't what i thought it was going to be uh i mean across the board the acting was phenomenal like we've talked about the film uh the cinematography was beautiful uh yeah i just i enjoyed it a lot more than i thought i was going to so it uh it connected it touched a lot of stuff so i give it four out of five moonshine oh i forgot to rate i give it four and a half out uh of five. yeah i mean barry jenkins knows where to put a camera he knows how to yank on me old heartstrings <laughs> uh you know some minor stuff about you know narrative cohesion but i mean in the face of what this film is saying and how it's saying it and the emotional depth and capacity for empathy that it has like very, very impressive. I'm really glad that this film was recognized by the Academy. Um, I would, I would say, yeah, four out of five stars as well for me. Wonderful. What's, uh, what's next on the docket? I think it's VMAX oh, turn. I'm, uh, he's right, got a guys. fucking grin on his face. <laughs> I, I don't know what's about to happen. <laughs> All right, so that was pretty uh, heavy uh, movie, oh, no. Moonlight. It was great, but, you know, real Academy Award. Don't worry, my next one will uh, be better. Emotional flick. Uh, and then before that, uh, you know, we've been on a real uh, uh, Korean film binge. Oh, no, stop. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try to throw in, you know, something just right down the middle, something just entertaining for everyone, something that you can't help but love. Uh, so we're going to be watching A Knight's Tale, possibly the greatest movie oh, All right. right. <laughs> Feel free to watch it as many times as you guys sure. need to. Uh, of uh, you know, just keep it on loop. 
it's pretty amazing. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it. But I'm very excited to talk about it. I'm excited to talk about the rock and roll dance scene in the 1700s. It's oh, gonna yeah. Now we're going to have plenty to talk about. <laughs> it's going to be a fun one. Um, well, so that makes... Um, what's his face? The first uh, filmmaker we've done two films from because he also did Legend. Oh, cool. So that's yeah, really make sure we bring yeah. that up. Uh, <laughs> it's such a better movie than Legends. I want to believe you, and maybe I will agree at the end. <laughs> have you not seen a Night's Tale? I've seen like scenes. I haven't seen the whole thing. Oh, Jesus! You're have a good time. It's it's fun. Just keep an open mind, and it's fun. It's just fun. It's such yeah. a fun movie, and it's like the cast is great. It's just such a fun movie, like really, truly. Uh, yeah, I knew this day was coming. So yeah, <laughs> I've been been very open and upfront yeah. about the fact that this was going to happen. All right. Well, I'm, I am and excited. Like, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah paul bettany plays chaucer in it i love him so much yeah well and it's like a knight's tale from canterbury tales right that's the yeah, idea yeah. no i know yeah. definitely all right so obviously as you guys can uh hear there's gonna be lots to talk about next episode um but for the sake of our time here on moonlight i'd just like to say thank you for listening um that was three m affairs on moonlight Bye bye. have a good one boys till next time Yeah!